Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. This is Jeff Shuck coming to you from Michigan City, Indiana. And with me, as always, is Plenty's other co-leader, Jennifer Mulholland, who's in our retreats in our heart space in Park City, Utah. And we're both coming back from a week a week off. We both took a kind of a impromptu late summer vacation and... I think coincidentally or ironically or through the, the magic of divine orchestration, we actually both spent a lot of time rafting and came back with lots of fun stories and lots of analogies as we, as we always do. So welcome back, Jen. Thank you. You too. It was such a great gift to unplug one of the gifts, many gifts of COVID is the, the opportunity to slow down and to choose what we put on our plates and what we take off. And maybe I'll just share where I've been and would love for you to do the same. And then maybe we can explore some of the metaphors that came to us as we were floating down the rivers. But, you know, ironically, We've been invited to do this trip for several years with some friends. And for those of you who don't know or haven't listened to our previous podcast, my son got really hurt this summer and wasn't able and isn't able right now to play sports and um, isn't recovering from a quite traumatic knee and nerve injury. And It's one of the blessings that because of that, we were finally able to go and we went to raft the Salmon River in Idaho with a company called Action Whitewater Adventures that I can't recommend enough. It it was absolutely incredible with five other families. So 20 people, we had six guides and we paddled, I think, 80 to 90 miles from Salmon to near McCall, Idaho. And it just was exquisite. It was an opportunity to completely unplug. There was no cell service, no technology. As soon as we got up there, we were way out in the wilderness and we're fortunate to just have incredible weather. Everybody got along really well and The guides were young and vibrant and multi-talented and were such incredible role models to our children. But really, it was such a highlight of being in nature, seeing almost like, I don't know, 15, 20 bald eagles and osprey and camping on the beaches every, every night and being involved in setting up camp and eating yummy food and singing songs and making up songs by the campfire. And I grew up camping and I am a nature girl at heart. So it was so freeing and fulfilling as we paddled down the river and on stand-up paddle boards and duckies and huge rafts. 
more to say, but I'm coming back really enthralled with such a magical trip um, with beautiful people in a beautiful setting. So more to say, but really love and kind of hooked on that type of rafting adventure. Well, it sounds amazing. And I'm glad you reminded people about your son because a couple episodes ago, people who've been listening will know Jen told the story of her son and the injury and trying to find healing for him, but also meaning through it all. And I love the connection that you were able to go for the first time because of that. So it feels like, as we talked about a few weeks ago, that continuing to orient to what is positive is one of the, one of the main lessons we're all practicing right now. So coincidentally, Jen and I didn't like literally plan this, but it was really wonderful how it worked out. My family was looking for a kind of a week long getaway just to be together before we take my oldest son to college next week, which I'm not going to talk too much about because I'll start crying, but he is going to college and we wanted to go somewhere to hang out. And we were initially going to, I live in Indiana by Lake Michigan and about a mile from the Michigan state border. And our thought was, let's just rent a little lake house somewhere in Michigan and drive a couple hours. Well, everybody in the Chicago area had that idea four months ago. You know, every, every lake house was pretty much booked up because of coronavirus. And we just started to kind of draw the circle wider and wider. And that took us down to the Smoky Mountains, not far from Knoxville, where my sister lives. But we spent a week, kind of 20 miles from no place. We were The closest town was a little town called Hartford, which is a big rafting town on the Pigeon River. And we hadn't necessarily planned or plotted to go rafting, but because we were in the epicenter of the rafting mecca of the Smokies, we went rafting a couple times ourselves. And I'd never been to the Smokies. And if you've never been, I just really want to recommend it. It was, it's not like the mountains of the West, which are so beautiful and majestic. It is like the rainforest. It rains. It's so lush and vibrant. And we had a total Indiana, Tennessee week of shooting BB guns and going rafting and cooking and hanging out together and it was really incredible. And I can't say enough about the Pigeon River and the other river we went down also in Duckies was the Nantahala, which is just over the border in North Carolina. And what's really funny is I think probably three or four times in this podcast already this year, Jen, we've used rivers as an analogy and being on the river as an analogy without actually either of us having been on the river this year and the last week. And we came back saying, our analogies are so good. <laughs> They're so brilliant. So <laughs> I love nature. Yeah. She has the best metaphors always. Yeah. Talk yeah well, about, maybe, you know, I think there were, there were two highlights that stood out to me. One is related to a metaphor and one is maybe not. You know, I guess just to, to conclude with the thread of my son, of Riley, one of the highlights was to see him feel normal again in his ability to use his upper body and swim and just seeing that joy that he could participate in 
in a way that kept him safe. You know, when we first got there, he was swimming up upstream with all the kids and he didn't really need to use his legs and he could do it. And it was honestly the first time in three months I've seen him have that kind of aptitude and intrinsic motivation to keep up or to do what is inherently in his athletic body. And to see him throw the football to all the kids running where he couldn't run, but he could throw. And just those micro moments of celebration, of normalcy, of participation really surfaced for me in in joy. And also juxtaposed to some sadness and grief in watching that he couldn't be the one running to catch the ball or that he couldn't be running to do the slip and slide, or he couldn't get on his knees to take a picture in the, of a pyramid with all the kids. Like just feels like this juxtaposition of the sadness and the loss compared with new opportunity to celebrate with gratitude. And I think one of the choice points that you and I keep talking about, and I keep trying to share with myself and Riley is we all have that power to choose, which, which one are we going to emphasize? Are we going to emphasize the loss, what we can't do, the inadequacy or not being able to participate for some reason, or are we going to emphasize the ways that we can, how we can inherently participate in the blessings of maybe new ways to to participate. So I felt like those choice points were all along the path. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'd love for you to talk about, we talked about a bit yesterday, was the limited role you have in steering the raft. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because that's a great, it's a great springboard into deeper conversation. Yeah, one of my personal highlights of the trip was getting on our stand-up paddleboard. We brought two, the group brought two inflatable stand-up paddle boards for Ben and my husband, Christian, and they both ended up paddling the river. And, you know, they're up to class four rapids. So it was a big, hairy thing to do. And in a quieter stretch with some rapids, I felt inclined to get on the board. And I love stand-up paddle boarding and I don't do it as much as I'd like to do. But I was so grateful for being able to be in balance and to learn to, to read the river, to read the current and intentionally trying to follow the flow rather than work against it. And on the, the stand-up paddleboard, you know, if you overpower, if you paddle too hard on one side or the other, it's going to turn quick and you're going to go perpendicular to the wave, which sets you up for freaking falling you really want to go nose to the wave straight on. And I would say after like the second or third rapid I paddled through, I was really aware that the less I paddled, the more I just kind of gently steered into the flow. And I could read the lines similar to like reading your line skiing down the fall line. Like you can see it. It becomes clear when you when you ski it, like the further you go, the clearer it becomes. And it's same thing with the river. There's a current. And I noticed like when I was just steering with it, 
I would stay on, I would find my balance. It would be so enjoyable. When I was overpowering or trying to muscle my way, it was a disaster. It like wouldn't work and I would be exhausted and it would be more likely I would tip and fall. So it was just such a wonderful metaphor that honestly followed a meditation I had done the day before around like, where is the flow and how do we align ourselves in life, in our choices with ease and not have to work so hard against the current because the current and the water and what you saw, Jeff, like there is so much power that it, it's impossible literally to overpower the current. Like it just is nature. It, it is the force. And yeah. But you, but you can overpower your raft. You, you can, can totally you can, overpower. You can tip yourself over, but you're not going to beat the river. So it was that, I think just analogy of accomplishment and just of awareness of, oh yeah, actually we don't have to work so hard. And it's so contradictory to what we've been taught around like, do the work. You have to work hard to get someplace and push and prove. And I'll tell you what, that metaphor was completely opposite and something that I think you and I are trying to practice at plenty is where is the flow where is the ease? How can we trust that the current is taking us to a place that we're meant to go? And how can we enjoy that ride rather than muscling our way through it? Yeah, I love that. And people who've been listening or have worked with us, this is a really common theme. And yet we're both struck by how present it was for us last week on our on our trips. And one point I want to emphasize and then maybe tie it into some of our work with plenty to Jen's point, you can over, when you oversteer and try to fight against the river, it's going to take you into the places on the river. You don't want to be, it's going to take you into the eddies. It's going to take you into the little vortexes. If you can trust that you just need a light touch and go with where the main current is, it's going to take you all the way downstream. And there's two, I think ways that manifests in our work with conscious leaders and one with individuals through Lantern, our leadership retreat and, and Pandora our coaching and just all of our work with our clients. It's asking people to think about where are the signs and the nudges and where is the joy that what do you actually like doing? Those things are the signs that are worth following. And, you know, if you go into the office and you groan because it's budgeting time, that might be the sign that it's great time to hire an assistant who can handle that work for you. Or if you go into the office and you're so excited that you have a team retreat coming up, like that's a sign that that's work that you're good at and can do more of. And similarly in our strategy work, we have a strategy retreat called Meridian. You know, traditional strategy often starts with mapping out the competitive space. And that's all well and good, but you know, understanding the so-called competitive space can trap you into positioning yourself or your organization to doing things just because other people are doing them or not doing them. Where actually a lot of the best strategy work we've done and most productive and fulfilling comes with a blank sheet of paper mm -hmm. saying like, let's follow what we think we can be uniquely good at. Strategy is about actually having no competition 
about following the river as far as you can go, not worrying about where the other boats are, right? So I just thought I may have made that all a little too practical, but I think when Jen and I talk about these metaphors, we're talking about personal growth, but we firmly believe that organizational growth can only happen if there's personal growth. So they're all connected. And I just love the point, Jen, about not oversteering and not ending up perpendicular to the waves. I think that is just such a great visual of a lot of the concepts we talk about. I think one of the things that you just sparked around organizational strategy is the idea of relying on experience in a calm, centered way. And what I mean by that is like knowing what you know and then relying on the truth and the experience of what other people know to benefit your path. As an example, there was just towards the end when we were just about to put out, this is on day five, we've done a lot of rapids and we really hadn't had anybody fully, we had a couple of people go in the water, but it, you know, it was fine. One of the people went onto the stand-up paddleboard trying to follow a boat and fell off went right into a hole, which is like the white water. It just churns. And if you're not careful, like it can suck you in. You can just stay in that hole. And the paddleboard, the the inflatable paddleboard got stuck in this hole. So it wasn't coming out. And we were the the boat that was coming upon it. And our, the, the gentleman, our neighbor who owned the paddleboard, he's like, that's mine. Like, let's, we can go get it. And the guide, young, beautiful 21 year old, She was like, no, we will not be going to get that. We're going to go this way. And how calm and centered she was about, no, that's danger zone. Like you may not realize it, but we're not going there. We're going to stay the course and follow the current this way. And it was how she said it with no tone. She was confident. She had experience on the river that none of us did she helped steer us out of danger in, in a well-intended let's go save the paddleboard. Right. And I think as we talk about strategy and we talk about how important in today's world it is to create healthy, harmonious teams is to really fortify collaboration that is reliant upon diverse experience Because when we can trust that there's different experiences that are brought to the table, then we can find our course, find our direction, find where we want to go as a blend of that experience. And that makes us rich and diverse and multidimensional where there is no competition for that unique blend of people that have that unique blend of experience. And this was really grateful. It really helped us avoid drama, mm-hmm. trauma, danger in a very centered leadership way. And that's what leaders are. Leaders say, no, there's danger over there. We're going to stay the course because this is what we agreed to. Yeah. And not, and this is a deep area, but not, not every, not every crisis is, is yours to solve. And in a time like we've been through, you know, every every person we've had on the podcast, every client we work with talks about how many, you know, you look left and you look right. And there seem to be so many problems. 
And there, and there are that there's, let's not deny that, but you don't have to start with the national debt. You don't have to start with injustice all over the country. You can start where you are. And, and honestly, you have to start where you are. You know, when we try to solve problems that, that aren't ours, we can, we can make things a lot worse and ignore what's actually happening. So here's a quick rafting metaphor to that. If you don't know what a ducky is, a ducky is like a two-person raft, or they, they can be singles and doubles, but it's basically a, a raft that's just smaller. And my daughter and I were in a, in a ducky on the Natafala, I think I'm saying that right, which is a, just a beautiful area. And we got stuck like right away. My daughter was already pretty skeptical about this experience. And within five minutes of launching, her dad, who was steering, got us stuck on, on a rock. So we're sitting there exactly in the position that Jen just warned us we shouldn't be you know, <laughs> perpendicular to the current... And it's in about two feet of water, but you know, you're taught not to stand up in the water and we're kind of stuck on this thing and I'm not the lightest feather. And uh, it did just, things were looking a little stressful. My brother-in-law, Tim, who's an extremely experienced rafter and served as our guide and really knows what he's doing, but kind of got a good natured smile and was behind us and said, I heard him say ramming speed and his, you know, in his head, he's thinking, I'm going to hit them, push them off the rock. It's going to work out perfectly. Well, I think he underestimated my mass because <laughs> he paddled, he got right in the current. He hit us as hard as he could. We didn't budge, but he flipped totally over us, <laughs> went, went in the water. And I think it was just, it was such a good metaphor for me of, of you know, sometimes good intentions kind of kind of steer us wrong. And that's the biggest thing I wanted to share that really stuck with me about my experience was I was really struck with one of the ethos in rafting is take responsibility for your own rescue. So when you get trained, they'll say that if you, you could fall out of the raft, if you fall out of the raft, get your own paddle, and get back to the raft and don't wait for people to come get you. And that is felt like such a great message for this time. It felt like a great message for my kids to hear who have heard a lot of adults and a lot of newscasters and a lot of commentary about other people coming to solve these big problems. I really loved the message of start with yourself. If you come to Lantern, you've heard us talk about tapping yourself on the head. It doesn't mean that everybody doesn't need to cooperate in the problem solving. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have empathy for other problems that aren't ours, but we start with ourselves. And to take it back, Jen, to your story, you know, I'm sure your guide is not only saying, hey, that's dangerous over there, but also saying the, the biggest way we can help those other people get their paddleboard back is by not cluttering up that space. And we mind our own work which is getting our own raft safely down the river so it doesn't create another problem for other people. So that story may sound a little bit, bit more serious than I meant it because it was actually hilarious to see my brother-in-law flip over. But I really liked that. I liked that ethos of, because it also instills some self-confidence 
and a bit of an empowering feel that I sometimes am concerned we've lost as a community over the last few months. Like, we can do this. We've got this. Everybody can take responsibility for their own rescue. Doesn't mean we're not concerned about everybody else. But if we all mind our own work, it all gets done. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it reminds me, I just can so clearly see the paddleboard kind of spinning and flipping in this hole. And what occurred to me as we were going down was, well, let's just wait. It'll come out on its own. Mm -hmm. And it did. Nobody had to go get it and put themselves into danger. And I think that's also something that I'm certainly trying to absorb and practice is, is there really urgency to fix and solve right now? Like when an issue comes up, does it really need resolution? And sometimes the greatest resolution is waiting. And we talk about that a lot at Lantern too, our leadership retreat around when you know, you know, and then you act. When you don't know, you wait. You wait for the hit. You wait for the, the, the insight to land. You wait for your knowing to come forth to then help you take the next step. And I think we've really gotten caught in an insecurity cycle around not trusting our ability to know when we know. We all do. Like this is an inherent instinct of human nature. Babies have it. Young children have it acutely. And somehow as we become adults, it's been kind of for many people, not all, it's been escorted out of us or we've put our power outside in other people's ability to know what's right for us. A doctor, somebody in a white coat, the medical system, the government, teachers, the education system, anybody of authority, like oftentimes we defer our own knowing to people that we have put on some type of pedestal to know more than us. Nobody knows more than us in certain, certain ways. It's not to say people don't have that experience or knowledge, but our knowing what is right for our families, what is right for ourselves is, is acute. It's always there. And sometimes I think we rush to solve rather than sitting in the discomfort of allowing the knowing to find us. And with the paddleboard, like it, it resolved itself on its own with the current. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that for me, especially with Riley right now of trying to, like, I just, we just don't know what the path is going to look like. We don't know what honestly the next step is. We won't know for a bit of time whether he needs to have another surgery or if we need to do intervention with his nerve more, more acutely and just sitting in that place, like, okay, we don't know yet. So let's just continue being present with what we do know and keep walking. Yeah. I love that. And I think I just want to underscore, I feel like when we say this message, I always then say, let me, let me underscore it for everyone because I heard an interview with someone yesterday who called the internet the nuanced destruction machine. I love that description. Nuance doesn't seem to work, but the world isn't black and white. The world has a lot of different colors in it. And so when we say, you know, waiting, 
it's not an excuse to be complacent. We're not saying you don't have a role. We're saying pushing against the current isn't usually the, the best way to make progress. That's what we're trying to say. And we're also trying to say, you paddle on the part of the river that you're on. Like you, you, you make a difference where you are with, with what you have. And it's not to say we, we give ourselves a pass on everything else happening in the world. It's, it's to say we start, we start where we are. A, a lot of what you were just talking about there, Jen, reminds me of our interview with Scott Kelly, which is now by the time you're listening to this, it's probably already aired. And it's, if you haven't heard it, it's a wonderful interview. And he talks a lot about health and health in a time of COVID and says, look, it's great to want a vaccine or an antibody test, but here's some of the best things you can do to protect yourself against COVID. Eat healthy food, get lots of sleep, don't drink too much, exercise every day. We have that power within us. That sometimes doesn't seem fancy enough or quick enough, or, but a, a lot of the innate health we have is we already have all of that at our disposal. And I think in the same way, a lot of that innate leadership we need with our teams or in our communities, a lot of the way forward in terms of business, government, schools, it's already there. It just sometimes it looks like, it looks like work because it's, it's not quick, but you don't start a 90 mile rafting trip looking at the destination and saying, I can't wait to get there. You start saying, this is where we're going to end up. And wow, it's going to be a great ride. And in that process, like that's the right strategy. That's the right leadership skill. That's the right decision-making is this process. Another process that's playing out for families all over the place and communities is, do I send my kids to school or not? And we've talked about this on previous podcasts. And like, we all need to get comfortable with the idea that it's an ongoing answer. It's not one decision that gets made. It's, it's an ongoing dialogue. And that's, I think, ultimately the thing I really loved most about rafting is it's an ongoing, it's ongoing dialogue with the river, ongoing conversation and, and being in conversation with nature or our partners or our teams or life it's just a wonderful place to be instead of deciding in advance that you know the answer. Yeah. And the landscape keeps changing after, you know, around every bend and around every turn, it's a different scene. And that's what a beautiful metaphor for life. And I would say one of my takeaways, which I would really encourage anybody listening to maybe play with is turn your phone off. Mm-hmm. unplug from technology. We each have the opportunity to do it, whether it's a day, an hour, a weekend, to say, I am not available to put your auto out of office on and to construct whoever you need to be a backup to do so. Because I think what's happening is in the yearning to know what the next answer is or what the solution is or what the next right step is, we're being bombarded with fear. We're being bombarded with misinformation, with multi-dimensional information of, like you said, all colors of the rainbow of stuff coming out of us. And it's overwhelming. And the more we are subject to external stimuli, it's harder to hear our internal voice, our internal 
wisdom. And when we can turn that off, we can hear our body's innate intelligence saying, this works for me, this doesn't work for me, or not feeling so good. So what do I need right now? Rather than trying to listen to all of the bombardment of information coming at us, and then we kind of get into a survival panic, anxiety mode. It's not surprising how much anxiety is elevating on the planet right now. Everybody I talk to has anxiety. Like, where is it coming from? Why are we believing those thoughts? Why do we feel so unsafe? It's quite obvious with so much stuff coming at us that is screaming fear, insecurity, the, the sky's going to fall, the world's going to end. Like, just it's coming at us. And I really appreciated five days with phone turned off and my family and myself. And what happens? What can you do? What conversations you have with yourself and with each other when you're not plugged into that noise? Let's do another whole show on that. We've, we've also said we're going to do a show on Fortnite and maybe we can <laughs> wrap those together. I would just emphasize that and say, I think one of the aspects of the, the nuanced destruction machine is that I think especially on social media, it's designed so you find the people who most agree with you. And then by virtue of that, kind of demonize the people who don't. And it's just such an irony that Facebook, which has the potential to be a massive community builder, actually creates division and actively pits people against one another. The reality is most people in person try to look for commonalities. So just to echo what Jen's saying, about three weeks ago, I started an experiment and deleted Facebook from my phone and I probably had a little withdrawal for a couple of days, to be honest. And I feel so much better. And I think so much more positively about the people around me. So I think there's, a, there's more to explore there about the way we truly want to be as a communal species. And then the, I think the anxiety comes from being put in a box that doesn't, that's not really ours. You know, the people around us aren't out to get us. They're not. And that's another thing I saw from traveling to both Tennessee and North Carolina. You know, North Carolina has very strict mask policies. Tennessee has almost none. And let me tell you, there's great people in both states. And they all want, in general, everyone else to be healthy and they want to be free and healthy themselves. And it was, it was really interesting to see in a 10-minute, 10-mile <laughs> breadth of highway two different ways of navigating and probably more to unpack there too. But I, I think I love the point, Jen, of, you know, anxiety isn't our natural state. Anxiety is your body telling you something's off. Yeah. It's, a, it's our body's way of telling us what we're listening to and what narrative, what we're plugged into too. Thank you for listening. I think maybe we'll conclude here. That feel good? That feels good. Let's just quickly orient people. We've mentioned a couple of our services. We mentioned Lantern a few times and Meridian. I think I threw in a Pandora. If you haven't been to our website at plentyconsulting.com, it experienced a massive 
facelift and rejuvenation over the last couple of weeks. We're really excited to show people what these services are and how we can help you. So I want to invite you to, to visit and check us out, kick our tires a little bit. We'd love to, yes. love to show you more about our what prideful project as we did our the website ourselves as the team plenty and hope you like it as much as we do and really excited to support you in your conscious leadership journey and in making a positive difference in the world. So thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate your support. Please like and share and pass on as you will, as you wish. And we hope to see you soon. Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.